Try that again. Good morning. That's it. That's it. Good. Good. It's great to see you all this morning and uh, well done for making it today. If you'd like to turn the Bible to 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 35 to 58. And um, I'm going to be preaching with Johnny today as well. Johnny Chow. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. And um, that's it. That's very good. Um, and my title today, our title, is True Hope. I couldn't think of an- another way of saying it, that's, but true hope leads to worthy living. Sorry, it sounds a bit wordy. True hope leads to worthy living. Say it to your neighbor. And some of you are going, I, st- I don't even remember it now. And he's just told me, right? I'm the same, right? True hope, if we can remember anything this morning, true hope, as in of the resurrection, the future resurrection, which is what we're talking about today, true hope of what we have in Christ, true hope of his love and mercy and power, true hope leads to worthy living or or, or a life that's worthwhile, a life that's worth it, as it were, uh, as the advert says. You're worth it, guys. You are worth it. And Jesus wants you to live a worthwhile life, which is obviously more important than hair conditioner. You'd be pleased to know. You'd be very pleased to know. One Corinthians, let me just read to you, firstly, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Let me just read to you that first. This is the bottom of the section we're going to be looking at today. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So that, that's kind of summarizing all of it, really. Brothers and sisters, he's saying, in light of the resurrection that Jesus has risen, but also that you are going to be risen And if you're just joining us for the first time today, what we've been looking at in 1 Corinthians 15 is the promise that Christians, when Jesus comes again, will will be raised again. And the the heavens and the earth will be renewed and we will live in it. Okay, you may have heard the story of just living in heaven as some kind of angel or something. No, the Christian hope is future resurrection, as Jesus was risen. So stand firm in this. And he says here, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. In light of the fact that you're going to live forever in a new heavens and a new earth, that's going to have to change the way you live here. You're going to have to stop living on this earth like this life is all there is. Right? This life is not all there is. This is, this is the, the entryway, as it were, into eternal life. And it's important that we live properly, worthwhile lives in light of that. And don't just waste it. Waste our lives. Waste our resources on things that are not ultimately important. Um, I don't even have had, had that experience of looking, of, of, uh, of a light flashing at you and then blinking and you see it. Do you see that? Do you, do you understand what I mean? Or if you look at the sun and then I look back and then you blink, you can see, you can see the light. Do you understand what I mean? Raise your hand if you understand what I mean. 
That's some of you, right? I've been a human a while. You've been a human a while. I'm sure you've experienced this. Even if you looked at that light now, one of these lights, just for a couple of seconds and then blinked away, you'd see that light, okay? Uh, obviously, looking at the sun is dangerous. I would not encourage you to do any of that. But you understand what I mean. If you look at a bright light, it affects the way you see it. It affects your vision. Like this. If you look at the hope that's coming, if you look at it, if you consider it, if you think about it, it's going to affect the way you see now and the way you live now. It's going to affect the way you see life. It's going to affect your, your, your mission, why you're on earth. So bear that image in mind. As you look at something glorious like the sun, it will affect your vision like this. Looking at, considering this hope is going to change your life. True hope leads to worthy living. Now, they've got questions about this hope. And you would have questions, right? Of course you've got questions. We will all have questions. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to discuss these things, isn't it? It says here, carrying on our reading from 35 to 41, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body, but that, um, that will be just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals another. Birds another. Fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, there are earthly bodies. The splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, the splendor of the earthly bodies is another kind. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, stars another, and stars differ from star in splendor. Now, what's he saying there? They've got questions and he gives them three illustrations there of, he, he gives them the illustration of seeds, he gives them the illustration of different kinds of animals, and he gives them the illustration of different kinds of sun, star, heavenly bodies, in a sense. Now, why does he do that? What he's trying to say to them is this, that your earthly body is one kind of body, but you're going to receive a different kind of body. Now, you may be saying, how can God do that? After I die, my body will go into the ground, or it will be cremated, however it's dealt with, and the elements of which it is made are going to be recycled within the system. We know that, don't we? Yeah? It's going to be recycled in the system. Your, the elements that made you up, all the various bits and bobs, are going to be dispersed. And so how on earth is it possible that I'm going to be resurrected? It seems impossible, doesn't it? Well, this is why Paul gives these three illustrations. The seed. God is the one who makes the seeds. And each seed, when it goes into the ground, comes up as a plant. And he's the God who is able to create every plant. He's the God who, out of that single seed, is able to create a tree or anything. So he can give you a new body, that's what he's saying. And he's saying, look at the animals. All the various animals, the elephants and the blue whales and the whatever else there are. He said, consider them. Can the God who makes them not remake your body? What's the answer to that? 
Yes, of course he can. Think about the sun, the moon, the stars. The God who makes them. The God who created them. Can he not remake your body? Yes, he can. Can, can't he? Yes, he can. If a, and and the, the miracle is this, and we often forget this. The miracle is not that God could remake your body out of the elements, not out of the bones, not out, but out of the element. He can remake you. And he, he, I mean, whether they'll be made out of the renewed elements, I don't know. This is mysterious to me, right? But he, can, he is going to remake your body. Like the body. Now, John, John is going to, just in a minute, going to explain to you about that body. But God can do it. Now, the miracle is this. Think about this. God created the elements that make you and the universe in the first place. And think about it. Those elements, however you want to call it, however it happens, I'm not going into that today, but those elements form together to create the universe and the, the universe, the solar system, that support, is able to support life, a planet which is able to support life, and then ultimately has brought together elements. You are made of the elements of the dust. You know that, don't you? You are made of the elements of the dust. You are, you are made of dust. And you are, are you here today? Raise your hand. So, so it's happened, isn't it, right? You have been formed out of the elements. You have been formed out of dust already. Because you're here. So therefore, God is perfectly able to raise you in the future. And that's what Paul is saying. Look at the animals. Look at the birds. Look at the stars. Look at the sun. Look at seeds. Look at nature. And consider the power of God that he is able to raise you again in the future. And now Johnny is going to talk about the nature of that resurrection body. Welcome, Johnny. Right. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Just make sure I know when I need to stop. <laughs> I tend to uh, speak longer than I need to. Um, Join the club. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, so Matt has actually helped us to actually go through first 35 to first like a 41, right? And then starting with actually like a, there we there is going to be a physical body, and that physical body will be different though. It's not earthly, but actually, if I go through first 42 to verse 50, actually, actually one line actually like a if I bring a, people's attention to. It will be the verse 46. But it is not that spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. One thing is important. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. So we know that the body is actually like a, will not be earthly because in this passage, in this particular portion of Scripture, the nature of that body is not earthly, but it's spiritual. So now, I'm going to actually quickly read through verse 42 to verse 50. This is a portion of the scripture I'm going to unpack. So is it with the resurrection of the dead? What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, earthly body, and it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man, Adam, become a living being. The last Adam, Christ, become a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust and is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood, meaning earthly body, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So the two points I'm going to look in, firm the hope in Christ, and then the body, that actually the nature of that body is simply or essentially reflecting the nature of the kingdom of God. And then the verse 45 to verse 50, I'll actually talk about how this passage is pointing us to actually remember our identity, who we belong to, and therefore, so that we can inherit the kingdom of God. So the first one is the nature of the body. But it's very important for us to remember one thing, because the starting point is actually like move into the verse 50. It is about the kingdom of God. And then through the chapter 15, which we have unpacked over the last few weeks, the first thing is what? We remember one thing. First importance is what? Is the gospel. So the gospel is what? Is about the kingdom of God. And then we have unpacked into about the resurrection of Christ. And then the truth about the resurrection. Why? Because when we talk about kingdom of God, we don't only talk about us. We talk about the king first. So the king is the first fruit. And therefore, what is actually, what is trying to tell us here, 42 to 45 is actually, because Christ is raised by the Spirit and then have that glorious body as well. And therefore, for us, it's not only finished now. We know that there is a hope in the future. We know that the completion, the consummation of the kingdom of God is now but not yet. And therefore, how we live, like the topic today, is so important. Because why? Because if I very quickly go back into the verse 19 of this particular chapter, what do we say? If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Because this is actually part of those kind of false teaching about the belief. Because saying, actually, you know what? Forget about the faith. And then, you know what? The hope probably is not really there. Who said that we can be resurrected? Maybe there's no life afterwards. But this is why actually Paul actually needs to readdress the very fundamental problem. One, the gospel. Two, actually Christ defeated death. Christ through resurrection is bringing the same promise to us so that in faith of the truth that we have just unpacked for the last few weeks, 
Therefore, we can actually point forward to see the true reality of when that happened, when the true consummation happened of the kingdom of God, how we, being part of the citizen, relate to the king. And therefore, this particular passage is talking about reaffirming our hope. So now, look at the body. I spent a lot of time not talking about the body, really. But let's look at how the kingdom of God, actually the nature of the kingdom of God is, and how our body will be like as well. So one, is actually similar to actually like uh, the, the previous few verses, is saying that what is sown and used to raise actually does continue the illustration using the plant. And um, also, this clearly demonstrated one thing. It is not our own doing. It's not our own doing. It is we will be raised by God in that day. It is not our own doing. This is grace. The grace is not only saying that the sin is forgiven, but also we will be raised one day and share the glory of Christ. First one. The earthly one is perishable, but the what is raised is imperishable. So perishable, this word in particular just simply meaning is decaying. Things basically is getting weaker and weaker, okay? Just naturally, we eventually will be going into destruction, this deconstruction. And now, but this one is imperishable. What do it mean? What does it mean? It tells you one thing. Something is decayed at the end to the point basically it will be gone or return to the dust. It's simply saying that that's temporal. What is imperishable, meaning the kingdom of God, is eternal and is indestructible. Number two, it will be sown in dishonor and is raised in glory. Beautiful, beautiful. It's sown in dishonor. Dishonor Usually, it's talking about shame. Usually, it's talking about like, a, you know what, you have done something wrong, and then like a, it's like a, there's no credit. But also, there's something related to this word, because this particular word also suggesting one thing. Usually, when actually when you become a corpse back in the day, or when you're a citizen, you basically don't belong, you don't have that, you're being stripped out. When you're dishonored, meaning you have no belongings, it's stripped out. It means nothing. It means nothing. But now, what happened? It will be raised in glory. It will be the splendid, reflecting the splendid light of our God. Number three, it is sung in weakness and it is raised in power. So the weakness is, when I was thinking about this particular word, I was kind of thinking, is it quite similar to actually the perishable? But I think this word in particular actually points us to something different because we are currently quite limited. This body currently is quite limited and then we are subject to like sickness and things like that. But then one day, it will be raised in power. One of the powerful things, even though I know it's a mystery, but if you remember when Jesus appeared, he actually can walk through war now. So, I don't know how that body works, but at least we know one thing. That body is a much stronger body because it's not really limited by our own imagination anymore. But it will be actually raised in power. So, it is saying that. So, it is not only to tell them, actually, like, uh, it's, it's actually, Paul is actually telling the 
um, church of in Corinth, it's actually like, you know what? There's so much, it has not happened yet, that we, the church, the them, the church, Paul himself, have so much to point himself to look forward to for that consummation of kingdom of God to be fully manifested. And then, this is the first point. Okay, by the way, if people don't know, this is the first one. Then, the second point I want to make is, it leads into actually very quickly talking about the natural body versus the spiritual body. So the comparison Paul is using here is using Adam and last Adam, which is Christ. This is not the only time actually Paul is using this contrast. He actually used it in Romans before, in chapter 5. And then earlier, earlier, go back to uh, just verse 20. It's not, uh, it's not uh, sorry, verse 22. It's not really that far. Same chapter. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruit, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So what does God actually, so what does Paul actually really pointing us to? When Paul usually pointing, using the Adam and Christ, this contrast, is actually pointing us to remember one thing. What Adam brings through is sin. This earth is actually now fallen. It's rebellious, it's disobedience, and this sin actually has been kept, kept, that the world is now captive under the sin. But because of God actually, through grace, initiated by his love, now what Christ has done on the cross, what Christ has raised from the death, now we have that true hope that we know that the death is defeated. We now know that the death is defeated. So what Adam is representing is actually sin, fallen, and also one very important thing, the broken relationship with God. The broken relationship with God, where Christ, the last Adam or second Adam, actually becomes a life-giving spirit. It represents what? Life, glory, holiness, righteousness, and more importantly, it's a restored relationship with God. Fully loving, fully trusting. Fully loving, fully trusting. Why is it important? Why is it so important in this particular part of the scripture? Why is it sitting there? Just very quickly, how many times do I have? Okay, very quickly. Go f- Let's just very quickly go through the whole Corinthian again. You start, well, yeah, 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 yeah I'm going to, yeah. Um, to start with, there's so many problems. And it leads into a lot of divisions. The first 12 chapters simply saying that there's a lot of issues actually happening in Corinth. And because of what? There's no love. That's why there's division. Even though they're saved, but they start actually fall back into a lot of the sins actually they have. It's before actually they were saved. So through love, so through the... um, that issues, and therefore, we lead into actually why actually like we talk about this book is actually about love, and actually reaffirming one thing, we are reminding them actually it is because of initiated by God's 
the Father God's love. Therefore, through grace and in Christ, we are now basically the salvation happened. And then lead into what earlier we just talked about, what is your faith standing to? Once you have the love, the most foundational thing, then you could actually now, through grace, we are even able to have faith, to able to trust God, to able to access to God. And then through this faith, then we move into how we're actually pointing towards the hope. But one thing here is, verse 33, what did Paul say? Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor at this right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Some of the church, some of the people in the church actually go back, keep on sinning again. And therefore, why actually Paul is specifically talking about the body is actually sharing Christ's glory, but at the same time, the verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Image. I don't know whether I will pronounce it correctly. Um, maybe like Jam can tell me. Icon. It's a Greek word, basically, meaning it's a stamp, it's a mark. So what is Paul really asking you to, to think about? What exactly Paul is trying to tell you here is, he's asking you a declaration. Who do you belong to now? Now, I've mentioned to you about the Father God's love, the initiation, and therefore reminding you all about the gospel, why Christ had to come. And then you can actually have that faith, and then through Holy Spirit, you can stand on that faith. And now I'm even telling you, the consummation, the completion will happen because Jesus will deliver the kingdom of God. But then, now you have a choice. Who do you belong to? Do you actually bear the image of Christ? You know that you're now belonging to Christ? Or you still actually look back and think, maybe the worldly earth is a much better place to be. And start giving up away your belief, slipping away from your faith, and also start making a lot of noises around the resurrection. It is important one verse I want to share with you guys. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself at his pure. This is First John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. So, when Paul now talking about this is one thing. Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Do you belong to Christ? Because you know what? When you belong to Christ, when you are inherited, through Christ, you inherit the kingdom of God. You become the citizen. One more thing. You're now also the children of God. 
that broken relationship is restored. So your life matters. Even though it's now but not yet, your life continues to matter. It's not stopping yet. Therefore, not saying that if in Christ we have hope in this life only, this is pitiful. And therefore, when your life matters because of the love of Father, because of the grace through Christ, because of actually what Holy Spirit is continuously tr- bringing us, transform us closer to what Christ looks like. And then one day you know that you will walk into that kingdom of God, inherit that. So, how would you live? And I will stop here and pass the mic back to... Uh, The microphone on. We've seen. True hope leads to worthy living. Jesus has risen, and we are going to be risen from the dead. That's our hope. We've seen from Johnny, haven't we, that our body is going to be imperishable. It's going to be glorious. Can I hear a hallelujah? Some of you need it more than others. I mean, I hasten to add. That's a joke. Raised in power. You're going to be a bit like superheroes, aren't you? You know, like you were, all these superhero films, you wonder if there's a bit, of, a bit of kind of prophetic edge to that. There's going to be something very magnificent about you. You know that. Like Christ. You're going to be powerful, imperishable, spiritual. It's mysterious, but it's going to be amazing. That's where you're heading. And I just want to finish with a couple of, we'll just finish off with this, read these final verses of this chapter. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. We will all be changed. For the perishable must close itself with imperishable, mortal with immortality, when perishable, it's like a sort of, like a song. When perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God. Gives us victory through Jesus Christ. Way too much to touch on all these things this morning, obviously. The blogs, hopefully, will give us a bit more information in the week. Please do use those if you can. Truth changes us. The truth of resurrection changes us. The truth, listen, he says, I tell you a mystery. I want you to know this. I want you to understand your future if you are a Christian. I want you to live in this world like a citizen of heaven that you are going to be. You understand, friends, that that like what you are going to be when you are raised, when your body is raised, when your body is perfected, You're going to be raised up. I want you now to live like that in this world to the measure by the power of the Holy Spirit. You understand? We've got to live like it now, not just in the future. If you're not living like a child of God right now, if we're not living in resurrection power, we need to learn to do so. Truth changes us. It's like a a birthday party. Think of a birthday party, right? It's going to be your birthday party tomorrow. 
and you have got nothing in, right? You're going to, hopefully, you're going to get some decorations, aren't you? You're going to get some invitations out. You're going to get some food. You're going to get ready, aren't you? It's going to change the way you live, isn't it? Yeah? We're sleepy this morning, aren't we? Did we all go to bed too late last night? (laughs) We are going to change the way we live. Likewise, in light of that wonderful party and celebration and that wonderful resurrection, let's live in the good of it now. Let's get ready for it. Power. Firstly, I want you to understand this. Power changes you. The power of the resurrection of Christ is working in you now. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Paul writes in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and his incomparably great power that is at work within you. So if you're a Christian, the power of resurrection is working in you now. If it's not, you're not a Christian. To be born again means the power of resurrection is at work in you now. And that should be seen in lots of ways, shouldn't it? Yeah? It should be seen in love. should be seen in patience. should be seen in holiness. should be seen in purity. should be seen in generosity, etc., etc., etc. Fruit of the Spirit, right? So the power is at work in you now. And it leads to lots of what we call, what I call worthy living, fearlessness. There should be a fearlessness in this. And what do I mean by that? He says we will not all be changed. We will, be, we will all, not all sleep. We as Christians, I understand, we are to grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. I understand that. We are, of all people, we are to, like Jesus wept at the, at the grave of Lazarus, we are to be compassionate, but we do not we are, as Christians, to ideally, now I understand we're not ideal, none of us yet, but I want to tell you this, the ideal is this, you should not fear death. None of us should fear death. Jesus has taken away the fear of death. Yeah, there's no fear of death for the mature Christian. I understand we may, we may struggle with it. But for you, brothers and sisters, do you understand that the resurrection of Jesus shows that he's victorious over your sin? So therefore, when you die, you will go to be with your Father in heaven. Do you understand that? You should have no fear. And this is what Paul says, doesn't he? Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. We believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Now, let me just just pick up that that the idea of fallen asleep doesn't mean you're going to be unconscious when you die. The point being, it's pointing to resurrection. When you sleep, normally you get up in the morning, don't you? Yeah, normally when that alarm clock goes off, you don't want to get up in the morning, right? Snooze, 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 snooze. But this resurrection, this waking up is going to be great. You're going to want to wake up to this one because it's going to be the glory of God. So that's the, the, the first thing about this. So worthy living, yeah, true hope leads to worthy living. The first worthy living is fearlessness of death because you, are, you, you have hope and you know that beyond death there is life and then resurrection. That's firstly. Secondly, just few look, thankfulness. People who understand the resurrection would be full of thankfulness. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who gives us victory. It says in verse 57. Thankfulness. We should be thankful. 
And if you're not happy in your life, be more thankful. I know it sounds like a contradiction, but it's the way to battle unhappiness. And it's the way to battle uh, cynicism. It's the way to battle when you're, uh, you know, you're down and you're fed up and, you, and you've, discouragement is the word I'm looking for. Thankfulness. Thankfulness that you are going to be raised again in the future. Remember that? Gener- wonderful thing. Jesus has bought it for you. Thankfulness, friends. So the first, worthy living, fearlessness. Secondly, thankfulness. Finally, give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Therefore, verse 50, 58, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We, as Christians who understand the resurrection, it should lead to us giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Fully. Because we know, we know that ultimately the only work that is of eternal importance is that which is for the Lord. That which you do for selfishness, I do for selfishness, and it's, always, it's not easy to discern, I understand that. Is this of the Lord, is this not? I don't, I don't always know. Prayerfully, just be prayerful about it. Am I investing my life in the work of the Lord? Now, you may have some ideas as to what that means. You may think you know what I mean by that. The work of the Lord, it means at least a couple of things, doesn't it? It means giving your, and I think in in the context of Corinthians, it means this, building the local church. Now, you may may be saying, there's more to the work of the Lord than that. Yeah, but we're looking at the context of 1 Corinthians, aren't we? He's just been talking about loving the church. He's just been talking about using your gifts to build the church. And now he's talking about abounding in the work of the Lord to build the church. So specifically, let me encourage you, build your local church. Wherever you go to church, if it's not here, wherever you go, you should have a local church. Please do build it. Love it. Give yourself, because you're going to be spending eternity with those people in heaven, aren't you? So give yourself to them. Get involved. Give yourself to the work of the Lord. Give yourself, another thing it means, it means give yourself to the mission of God sharing the gospel. Wherever you are in your workplace, in your college, in your school, abound in the work of the Lord by trying to help others come to know Jesus. Abound in it. I I mean, I don't know how you're going to do it, but it starts with prayer, doesn't it? Lord, help me to abound in sharing the love of Jesus where I am. Because that's why you are you there, not just to earn an income. You are there to help bring people to Jesus, aren't you? And it's not easy, but God can do it. Just as he can raise you from the dead, he can raise them from the dead, and he can help use you. Finally, it means to to be salt and light wherever you are. Bring the goodness of Jesus Christ into your office. This is not about sharing the gospel only, is it? It's about washing up. It's about cleaning the carpet. It's about cleaning the loo. It's about picking up the stuff that's on the floor. It's about being a servant to people who may not deserve it. It's about not being entitled but washing people's feet. It's about forgiving. It's about, if you are a boss, being a boss that's godly. If you are an employee, being a great exemplary employee. 
It's about being salt and light wherever you are because you're going to be perfect. When you're in heaven, when, well, not in heaven, when Jesus comes again, you're going to be like, you know, super. You're going to be super, right? So why, you're meant to be living that out now, right? Like you're going to be, let's be like it now. In mission, in building the church, in being salt and light. So, as I said to you, worthy hope leads to worthy living when we understand it. So come, the band's going to come up. We're going to worship. Revelation 22, let's stand together, says these words. Hear Jesus this morning speaking to you. If you're not a believer this morning, resurrection for you, and I'm saying this because I love you, Resurrection for you currently means resurrection to judgment. You need to be saved. You need the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus offers that freely to you today. When the trumpet sounds, you will rise, brothers and sisters. You will rise. All of us will rise. Are we sheep or are we the goats? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? If you don't, get ready today. Don't wait till tomorrow because there may not be a tomorrow. Let me encourage you and urge you, friends, to hear Jesus say this. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you living like a citizen of heaven? Are you waiting? Are you ready for Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Let's give ourselves wholly to him. I am coming soon. And then the church said this. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's say that together. Amen, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. If that's your prayer, let's now live in light of that coming.